really, West Virginia is like seeping with insanely talented people. And I think like across the board, if we all show up for each other, we're all going to be fine. This is Commonplace, the show about creative people and the things that inspire them. I'm Nathan Thomas. Before we get too far, I want to shout out a couple of efforts to help those in need after devastating flooding. The first is the EKY Mutual Aid Facebook group, helping connect those in need to essential services. To say Eastern Kentucky is still hurting from the deadly flooding last month is an understatement. They're bleeding out. The other effort is the Campbell's Creek Flood Relief Facebook group where they're keeping a community fed after flooding earlier this week in addition to providing other cleanup relief. I've linked to both Facebook groups in the episode description. If you can help out, whether it be through time or money, I urge you to do so. Today on the show, we have Cody Cannon, a Morgantown, West Virginia-based stand-up comedian who co-hosts the Comics and Chronics podcast. He's been instrumental in booking and promoting shows in the Mountain State for comics from bigger cities like D.C. or New York. He'll book these comedians on a circuit that includes Morgantown, Charleston, Fayetteville, and Huntington. Not only does this give communities right here at home a chance to see high-quality performers that they might not see otherwise, but it also helps introduce these performers to the beauty and the kindness of West Virginia. In our conversation, Cody and I talk about this circuit, his joke-crying process, and what it's like being a stand-up who frequently performs on the same bill as rock bands and the challenges that come with those audiences. And if you're in Morgantown, I'll be up there pretty soon. Saturday, August 27th, I'll be at Morgantown Brewing Company doing stand-up as part of FuzzFest, a one-day festival with over 30 bands performing across half a dozen venues. Now here's my conversation with Cody Cannon. We just had our biggest week, maybe last week or the week before, uh, and it was like not from one episode, but just like all of total listens throughout various episodes in one week. I think we got like almost 400, um, which is like the best week we've had since we had Tommy Chong on the podcast. Well, it seem it's just part of doing the work and it seems like in terms of just doing the work to do whether it be podcast or comedy coming out of the pandemic especially it seems like you've been one of the busiest West Virginia stand-ups both in terms of appearing on shows and booking shows well I mean I appreciate it I just basically I had never even booked I think I had maybe booked one or two shows pre-pandemic uh, I was thinking about like dabbling my feet in a little bit more. And then the pandemic, my first big booked show at one, two, three got canceled, uh, because of the pandemic. And then, um, basically once we, uh, once we got through that, uh, once I started, once we got through the pandemic and things started opening back up, my buddy Noah, who co founded the fest with me uh he he, during the pandemic he became a nurse and so he just doesn't have the time and i was like if i want 
comedy to happen in West Virginia, I just have to make it. You know what I mean? Not saying, uh, excluding Huntington. You guys have always had, like, your own little comedy culture. But I'm just saying, like, anywhere else in the state. Well, it is one of those things where it's having a circuit being built within the state where you'll bring in people from Morgantown but because of these connections in Huntington and Charleston and down in Fayetteville, you're able to get these like DC, New York, uh, Baltimore type comics, Philly, whatever. Uh, you're able to get them a string of shows in markets where A, they've probably never been before and B, there probably hasn't been this much live comedy there uh, from touring comedians in a while. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I know that like there had probably been a couple mics or stuff, stuff like that. But like when I book these shows that I'm booking in Fayetteville, a lot of times people come up to me after the show and be like, this is my first ever comedy show. And that's a treat for me. You know what I mean? Especially because like I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm a great tastemaker or whatever. But uh, I do. I I. I I am a fan of the comedians I try to bring through. You know what I mean? Usually, I, especially since I've been gaining a little bit of momentum and I've been getting reached out to a lot more. But like in reality, these runs, they can only support like one a month just because of like People in Fayetteville are only going to go to so many stand-up shows a month. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, People here, even, yeah. will only go to so many. Yeah, that, I mean, I think it's kind of like a good rule of thumb. Maybe, like, here and Morgantown, like, as far as booked comedians, I will never book more than two in a month. Like, uh, I'll never, like, touring comedians. And then we'll have the open mics, um... But yeah, that's never more than two. And then in a smaller place, smaller place or a not as comedy uh, friendly place like Charleston. Not that it's not comedy friendly, but like it's just not as normal of an occurrence. I uh, only do, can do like one a m once a month or more. Well, in terms of these booked shows and the open mics, they're ecosystems that help each other too. Exactly. It's hard to have these booked shows without a audience in town who's already game to go to stand up and you know you can invite them to it but also it's hard to book these kind of um uh showcase shows without local openers on it and if you don't have an open mic then it's hard to build up the local opener exactly. and it just feeds each other for sure 100 percent agreed have there been any notable challenges when it comes to booking within the state or is it just getting people out the biggest challenge is just getting people out um for me anyway uh not saying that they don't come out but it's just that the fact of the matter is like we live in a world where everything is becoming more and more expensive so the guarantees of these comedians a lot of times like a lot i don't make money doing this this isn't a money making thing i'm not making money i'm not doing well financially um but i love it and i want i love this damn state so much and i want people to want to visit that's like my whole goal like long term because i'm stuck here not I stuck to nothing i'm choosing to stay here at least until my son's old enough to drive you know what i mean i want to be present in his life i want to be able to see him all the time so at least like he's until he's old enough to travel on his own my goal is to stay local but ideally I would love for West Virginia to be my home base and me just like tour and travel a lot and do these book shows in between. Um, kind of like pass the local 
bookings and stuff off to like uh, an up and coming comic in the in Morgantown or Fayetteville. You know what I mean? Well, and I feel like too, in terms of making comics want to come here, just the good ass time that we show people in Morgantown and going out to the bars after shows in Huntington, booking them down in just beautiful ass places in Fayetteville. Uh, you know, it, I think they've all had really great times and we've been able to send like a positive message about the state back with them. Oh, for sure. I mean, I get, I regularly, I mean, the amount of people that are reaching out to me for shows, I just couldn't, I don't even, uh, it's, I'm not saying it's like overflowing, but it's definitely there's enough. Yeah. And then on top of that, especially every time there's like a big show, like right after the comedy fest, I got like so many that I just like couldn't respond to all of them. And then right after Gethard, I got another, you know, onslaught of them. And I imagine it'll probably be the same. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. How did that Chris Gethard show go? Dude, one of the best. How how much did you do? uh, So we had capacity at 110. Oh, I meant how much time you did. Oh, I did uh like 12, yeah. I think. 10 12. I think I did 10 12. Um and it was one of my best sets. I'm grateful enough that like everything has worked out with like I mean, I still I'm not saying I don't have duds, but luckily every big sh- major show, the Comedy Fest, Gethard, uh, it's been my sets have been re- You're rising I'm to the occasion. Of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm stepping up to the plate, and it feels good. Um, and then, like, also, like, the, both at the Comedy Fest and with Chris Gethard's show, Gethard didn't say this, but his opener was like, "Dude, this is what the scene that you're building here is really cool. It's you don't see a lot of stuff like this around the country." So that made me feel really good. Yeah, just, and it's because you've done a lot of just this work of um whether it be helping promote and put on house shows these kind of in-state runs and just you know you're one of these comics too who you do a lot of sets in non-traditional stand-up uh like events uh where it'll be your emceeing rock shows and then you're doing stand-up there and that is just such a quality and a talent that is just it's a hard skill set because these people are usually not ready for stand-up and then you have to win them over oh for sure and it doesn't always work i did one uh at the loud just a couple months ago i opened for like a funk band and i made the mistake of uh, telling the crowd they look like they did a bunch of ketamine and that was not a winning joke i thought it would be funny because they did uh look like that i mean it's it was a funk jam band show i know those people i've been to those shows i'm not I'm, you know those people those people the jam band community and i'm not slandering them but they love sure. ketamine <laughs> Ketamine, acid. Yeah, I've not. I, I the just whole gambit. I just did acid for the first time recently, um, so I'm not knocking them. I just, oh, it's great fun. Yeah, it was an incredible time. It was. I it, I'm kind of surprised that it took me 35 years to do it for the first, especially because I've done like way crazier. Yeah. <laughs> and it the couple of times that I've done stand up on these types of uh, uh, rock shows or uh, even just music open mics, just doing it just to have more stage experience. They are definitely fun and there's definitely a 
battle to it, but also like you have to go in knowing that so that you're just prepared on stage for like what you're going to do and how you're going to get these people on your side. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, and I'm, there are some, uh, luckily for me, or at least I go into those shows knowing that there's the realistic possibility I'm going to flop. Sometimes when I do those, uh, hosting gigs, I don't even do much comedy. I just kind of get people excited for the band. I don't do a lot of jokes in between, uh, not saying that I, but it's just like a lot of times, depending on the environment, they don't want that. What I, the formula that works for me the best, if I'm not doing like a, an all day festival is completely different, but if I'm doing like a, a, like, like just like a one night, you know what I mean? Like four or five band show, I've found that smack dab in the middle or after the first or second act is the prime time for comedy. And just because most of the people are there. They're loosened up a little bit, and they're also, but they're not so drunk that they they're not gonna, you know what I mean? That they're not gonna pay attention or whatever, um, like they would be f- at the end of the show. Yeah, I emceed Loopy Fest, which I remember. ran from like five p.m. to like one, and there was like eight or nine bands on the bill, and oh, yeah. like I knew people were just going to be so inundated with music that like the last thing they want to see is me doing stand up. Oh yeah. And you it's just, just keep the crowd hot, keep hocking the raffle and that will be enough. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's better to just get, do those things and not do comedy. You well, know what it's I mean? good stage experience anyway. It's still hosting. Yeah. And it's, it's fun. Uh, oh, I yeah. love, I love, I'm a big music. I mean, to say you're a music fan is pretty dumb, but I love, you ever check out music. <laughs> But I love me. <laughs> I love music. I love. I, I I'm fran- friends with lots of local talent across the state, uh, as far as mu- bands and musicians and stuff like that. So it's it's always a fun environment. I love. I'm a party dog too. It's fun. I like to get rowdy with rowdy folk. Oh, it's the best. And like especially just tying all of these DIY type of communities together, whether it be the music side of things or the comedy side of things, just makes us stronger too. Yeah, exactly. So do you remember your first comedy open mic and like your headspace going into it and like what made you want to go up that first time? My story is not normal. I didn't get into comedy and like I didn't like go to an open mic and be like whatever. My son was really young, and I was like, "What if if I want to do whatever I want to do, I'm going to have now's the time to do it." You know what I mean? I was 22 years old, and and so I traveled to New York, um, and did my first. I did a, a like a comedy workshop, and then did like a showcase based on the people who did that comedy workshop and instantly caught the bug. And then I was like, Oh, this is my dream. And I moved my baby mama and let like under a year old son from Logan County, West Virginia to Brooklyn at 22 years old we didn't know anybody and i was i just dove in i took like signed up for a bunch of like acting improv writing type classes and stuff like that and started doing open mics and bringer shows and stuff and uh 
Yeah. Uh, just like kind of dove right in, signed up for one of those. Like, you know how there's like, uh, it, it was basically a comedy school. And like, it was like one of those things that it was like build like, they kind of, they, I don't know if they even said this, but it was the kind of thing like, if you go to this, you will be a successful comedian. And I was 22 years old and I was like, perfect. This is it. I just want to. So I spent like my life savings and. I'll do this eight week course. And then on the other end of it, I'll start uh, touring Midwest comedy clubs. Exactly. In my 22 year old mind, that's how it worked. I was like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready for the big leagues, baby. Yeah, I'm ready to be a road dog. Yeah. And it was, couldn't have been further from the truth. Uh, but it was a great experience. That's how I, I met the co-hosts of my podcast. And uh, while I got, and it did, like, while we do joke about how it was a big scam and we were ripped off and the only good thing that came from it was meeting each other, um, it was also... It was worth it for that friendship alone. It was worth it for that, but it was also... I did, like... They did do a good job of, like, teaching me kind of, like, the fundament, like, the basic blueprint of stand-up and like how to write a punchline and you know what i mean how like you know words per minute all this stuff that i wouldn't have read unless i would have or wouldn't have known unless i read a book you know what i mean but like who wants to do that yeah who not me books are canceled after this episode airs we'll be having kate willett back uh kevin casey white is coming back he's recording his album at one two three pleasant street oh shit nice God, he was a good hang. That yeah. was fun. He's a wild man, and it was fun. That Rock City show, it was odd, but nice. Oh, it was awesome. awful, honestly. One of the worst produced shows I've ever put together. Not in the sense, just like in the sense. I mean, I killed it, but everyone. I, yeah. No. I ate shit. It, uh, <laughs> it was a rough show. It, uh, I think I just like, I think the timing was just bad. I'm just never booking anything right before Christmas again. Yeah, just holiday season. People are doing 900 other things. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. No, that's exciting though for Kevin just recording it there, just especially because of just how cool of a interesting DIY venue one two three is. Even going back to the Underground Railroad days. Yeah, did you listen to that podcast? I haven't yet, dude. It's incredible. It's really good. Um, really interesting. I loved it. I loved getting all this history of a place that is essentially like a second, like a home to me. You know what I mean? Like if I'm out and about in Morgantown, most likely I'll be at one, two, three. It's my, it's my home. I'm, I'm unofficial. They, they always joke that I'm unofficial staff there now. I have been there less than five times, but it's all been good times, whether it be, uh, I used to go on the road with the horse traders a lot when they were still a band. Mm-hmm. And I went up there once while they were playing with, I'm going to see. Didn't like, I see you there? At that show? Uh, I think I saw you there. I think like, didn't I see you one time in Morgantown? Uh, was it the front bottoms thing? Maybe. Maybe. I know, I know there was a show in Morgantown. I can't remember the venue or the situation even, but I just ran into you like, and was like, oh. You're here. And I we just, like gave each other a hug. I just and... don't go to Morgantown all that often. Yeah. No, I mean, that the, makes sense. The last, it's a trek. the last time I was there was um, when we recorded in the basement of the Morgantown Brewing Company for that mini series Cosiri did. Was that the first time I met you? Was it? I'm not sure. I The first time that we met was probably 
in the back parking lot of the Ritter Park Amphitheater for a Huntington Music and Arts Festival. That, that would make sense. And too. we were probably just drinking beer in the parking lot before uh, before Tyler played or something. Tyler Grady played or something. Yeah, like, if I had sense. to guess. That would make sense. Um, just drinking in the fan. Yeah. If I had to guess, that's where. But... Um, Going from, you know, doing shows and uh, in New York and then uh, coming back. When did you come back from New York? I was only up there for a year. Mm-hmm. So I, I basically, when my lease was up, my baby mama, during that time period, my baby mama and I had split up. And uh, uh, when my lease was up, I was like, I'd rather be a dad than a comedian, like a professional stand-up comic. Uh, so I moved back. And for like, I'd say like, three to five months I was doing open mics in Huntington and random shows around Logan. I put together a couple shows and they were bangers, but it just like, wasn't, it was, I hate, I got tired. It grew old quick. Just like the Huntington scene. It wasn't what it was is now. And Logan was, it, Logan is not the most supportive of the arts. And, uh, uh so we, so I just like grew tired of it really quick and just completely stopped doing comedy for until like 2017. I was in Morgantown and I went to my first open mic there just cause like I, I had started back in the restaurant industry and I was uh, a bunch of my friends were like, you do comedy, you should do one of the open mics, blah, blah, blah. And they talked me into doing it. And I, did a bunch of jokes about eating ass and it killed. And I was like, I'm back baby. And I've been, I kind of got the bug right away and I've just been at it since. I got that. We did that one show and Logan, is it called hot cup? Is yeah. It's a coffee, coffee shop. shop? That yeah. was the show where right afterwards that dude pulled the gun on us. Oh yeah. While we were walking to the, <laughs> was it, it's not an elk. It's the it's American a, Legion. Yeah. The, the Legion in the basement of the bowling alley. Yeah. <laughs> Which like, we should do a show at that Legion. That should be the next. Dude, that's, that place is a wild place. It, I've had some crazy times. Cody Cannon Legion. live at the Legion. That's, <laughs> that's your album. That's do my the, first album. Do the album recording there. Oh, my God. And do jokes insane. about eating ass and um, is it pissing or shitting on your son? Shitting. Shit, yeah, do jokes about sh- shitting on your son uh, in front of all these old veterans and everything and also i'm not gonna give any listener context to that you're gonna have to see cody live (laughs) we're not giving the goods for free yeah comedians have done that enough for you (laughs) uh but growing up what who were the comedians that like you would listen to and just like not take from but like be inspired by so when I was young, the first comedians I ever got into were like, uh, originally it was Mitch Hedberg, obviously. Um, I love Chris Rock. He was always one of my favorites. Uh, I loved the old Eddie Murphys. I don't remember what it was called, but I remember watching like a Sam Kinison Uh, it might've even been like a documentary or something when I was younger that I was like, "Whoa, this dude's insane. Um, loved Carlin. You know what I mean? The, the generic greats, uh, just their greats for a reason. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Sarah Silverman 
is to this so day good. one of my favorite comedians of all time. She really, she was one of my favorites because she was one of those ones that like so plainly just says all this horrific nightmarish stuff and i love that about her and like she knows it's horrific too it's not one of these where like she earnestly like believes it or anything but yeah she's, she's just... saying it because she likes to test people mm-hmm. and yeah and then, then and then over time she's kind of evolved into this like loving i love she's just one of my favorite comedians she's incredible um wanda oh, sykes her comedy central show was great yeah it's her silverman program yeah it was incredible um but yeah, those were my favorite growing up, uh, for sure. Uh, those were the people who, you know, I got really into. When I started getting back into comedy, I got really into Pete Holmes, like around 2017-ish. Um, he kind of an inspiration for me. I felt I really connected with his whole raised and kind of like an insanely religious way. Not like as drastic as maybe it sounds like for him, but like I was raised very Christian and like kind of, it's just something I connected with a lot. He, the whole, the whole like goofy, uh, you know, silly man. I don't know. I always, yeah. I always silly loved... guy who likes to laugh. Yeah. Did you like, I don't, watch a lot of stand-up these days like i'll go back and like maybe i'll listen to an interview every now and then but like i don't actively seek out specials and i don't really know why other than like i'm afraid of something like bleeding into my act by mistake yeah, that's uh, do, definitely. Do you find yourself trying to like keep up with like what the big specials are and like who's like trying like to move the needle or anything? So I'm less of that and more of so basically I've kind of carved out this little niche of either getting like getting people right around or right before or right after their first specials. You know what I mean? Like Gethard was an, and Canaan were exceptions, but like Frankie's getting ready to tape her first hour. Frankie Francis. Yeah, Frankie French. French. God yeah, damn it. it's okay. It happens. Yeah. Sorry, Frankie. Uh, um, but Frankie, uh, I got Amy Miller right before she did her first Comedy Central bit. Got Kate Willett right after. Uh, got Kevin's gonna do his album. Kevin, yeah. So I'm getting this. I've kind of got this little niche, and so more of that. It's more of like, who are the people that I'm? I don't watch a lot of our specials. Every once in a while, I'll catch one. I just watched Bill Burr's newest one today. The idea of here is an hour. It's a self-contained thing. You don't have to interact with it after that. But also, it, you know, it fills the time that you need to fill. Is one of the bigger perks to specials i don't know though like what does the stand-up album economy even look like in a streaming world you know uh, i don't i don't think it earns people money i think it's more of just a way for comedians to retire material you know what i mean comedians who haven't been who don't have enough exposure to end up on Netflix or Comedy Central. You know what I mean? Yeah, to but re- they have enough jokes that they're like, I'm tired of doing these. Yeah, usually. Let's just record them so they get out 
and I can just start fresh. Yeah, exactly. Usually it'll be like a, a lot of times their first album. Because in my mind, every oh God, it's so crazy how much you learn as you go. Because like two years in, I got this like false uh, 2019. So I was about two years oh. in. Um, I got this false sense of being like, I'm ready to be a headliner. And I did like my West Virginia tour and I hit a couple of ba- dates in Ohio and maybe Kentucky or something like that. And DC and was like, oh yeah, I'm great. But I w- I'm not, I wasn't nowhere. And like, I, in my mind, I did, I did like a little taping at one, two, three. It sucked. Uh, it's on YouTube. Don't watch it. Uh, <laughs> um, it. It's not even that it's bad. It's just like, I'm a better writer and, and like have more personality than, and like the editing wasn't the best. I should have, if I wanted to, but long, what I'm trying to say though, is I didn't, most comedians don't record their album till they're like 10 years in. Yeah. I think I'll be 10 years in next spring. I want to say. And yeah, I'm a nowhere near ready and B like, I don't think I've ever actually headlined like a legitimate, like showcase show either. So like I have a while was like a ways to go for myself. Uh, but in terms of like writing and just getting like that first step down, what is that process like for you? Do you like sit down with the intention to write or do you does just an idea pop in your head and then you fool around with it from there? Yeah. So I have like a really disorganized, chaotic way of writing in that like if I ever am working with the intent to writing, my process is I'll smoke just like a tiny bit of weed, not enough to like get me blitzed or anything like that. And then I'll start like chores, like, or go for a walk or something like that. Like I, I'll do another activity, something that's like mindless enough so that my brain can be working on something else, but I'm busy. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'll do that. And then I'll, come up with a joke and I'll write, maybe I'll go back and I'll write down just like three or four keywords. I won't even embellish. Like I won't write the joke in the punchline down. I'll just write a handful of keywords. Then I'll try it at a mic and I kind of work on it for like a month or two at mics and shows and stuff. And then whether or not I like it based on that month or two, then I'll like sit and try to, uh, flesh it out into something like beyond what I've what it's evolved just from those couple months of shows does that make sense yeah how often are you able to do open mics up in the Morgantown area like how how much stage time are you able to get so uh, we have two mics a month in Morgantown right now two that consistent there's two more that are very inconsistent not to any fault of the booker or whatever he's a great dude he just also has like a big family to take care of and stuff like that. So uh, his, when it's available to me, I'll do his, but two consistent mics a month on top of the various stage time I get around the state, which is honestly like a fair amount because not only do I do the mics and then I usually have like three, if you're talking all the shows around the state, I'll have like two to three booked shows of stand-up comedy around the state i also have booked shows with like like i'm uh it'll have passed but this coming wednesday i'm doing a i'm hosting a bunch of bands for a ukraine benefit show in morgantown all the proceeds are going to you uh everything that's going on in ukraine um i just 
right before my son got in last week, did a my first ever political rally, and it went awful. Um, it was so bad. Uh, I just performed for a bunch of rich old white people, and they hated me. Um, what was the uh, rally for? Uh, it was a fundraiser for this gentleman, uh, Barry Wendell, um, who's running for state senate. Uh, if I'm being honest, I got booked by my friends who I know and trust, and they were like, you should do that. We're trying to, you know what I mean? We mm-hmm. should do this. And Did you... Not a lot, if any, of your jokes really lean all that political. Did I started by telling them. I was like, I I opened with, hey, I'm Cody Cannon, and I don't know why I'm here. I'm not a political comet. And I, I, just to give you an indication of how I am politically, here's the only two political jokes I've ever written. And I told them my joke about uh, how I'm not a fan of guns, but a big fan of finger guns. And I told them my joke about uh, how if we get have to get involved in the Ukraine, we should send old people first, <laughs> which was directed at, like the audience was all just like old white people. Uh, they didn't like it at first, but I kind of doubled down and just like and I think by pushing through like when they were not being thrilled about it they end, i ended up winning them over i know you should have started with the eating ass joke <laughs> no i didn't do any of my raunchy comedy i ended up just doing uh it honestly it went really bad like halfway through uh they i did a joke about like hating the police they hated that i did a joke about how if if any a landlord considers charging fifteen hundred dollars a month in the state of west virginia i should be allowed to eat them um, they hated that two of the people in the building were uh, landlords. You know what I mean? Like prominent landlords uh, was not, they were not fans of that. And then after like eating shit on those jokes, I kind of just doubled down and went into like less of a rant, uh, less of comedy and more of just like a rant on how the government has failed us and how I hate the government and uh, we should how be- we should rise up and topple it all down. Exactly. And they didn't like that either. But <laughs> I was like, and then I was like, well, this isn't how I wanted this to go, but it's here we are. And they laughed at that. And- <laughs> it, do you find when you're writing, you try to come up with this balance of like raunchy and non-raunchy just so you can fill whatever like audience you're asked to perform in front of um not really i mean i love raunchy jokes just because it's like if i'm being honest it's like the era i came up in you know what i mean like i was very much like i said uh the comedian a lot of the comedians i were influenced by did that kind of stuff and i loved it and it's it it was fun and it's like a i mean i'm kind of a raunchy dude i'm a wild man i like to party i uh known for the lion shirts yeah yeah exactly uh i i just it's it but i so i kind of just write my jokes as they come to me like right now the stuff that i'm mulling over i've been really depressed the past few years uh not trying to get dark but been really depressed and i'm trying to like balance find a funny way to talk about that which i am not good at some people do it amazing like incredibly gary gullman's did a special not long ago uh gethard you know what i mean there have been comics uh who have who absolutely murder with that i don't uh i think it's because i kind of come off with this ditzy 
uh, stoner slacker vibe that it's hard for people to be like, how are you that silly? And like, I don't care, but also, also that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it is audiences don't always want to hear the suicide material, but also like, and not that I'm suicidal or anything. I've been writing a lot of jokes about that mm-hmm. the past few months. And also that they're, a, just the more fun jokes to write, and like B, if it's honestly what I'm thinking or going through, it's what I should probably do on stage, just so I'm not yeah. being inauthentic or anything. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, I'm working on that. I'm working on a lot of stuff about how my son's getting. He, my son's a, practically a teenager now. At least it's as tall as you now. He's right? five eight. And he wears shoes bigger than me. He's going to be taller than me. That kid's going to be able to beat my ass in like three years. As he should. (laughs) But I'm working on that kind of stuff. Just like watching him grow up. uh, Just kind of like I'm trying to find. I hate. I I don't want to be one of those people that's like, I fuck a lot. Um, But I do. And I'm trying. but But it's like a. It's one of these things where like nobody gives a shit that I, you know what I mean? Nobody necessarily even wants to hear that, but I'm trying to find this because I got like, it's hard for me to date because I kind of have a reputation for being slutty. Um, And so, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to find that, but I also am like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't like being a braggadocious person. You know what I mean? I'm, it's not who I am. I, when I'm, when people are like, oh, you're hilarious. I'm like, haha, thank you. But I don't like to like, uh, I'm not like, oh, I know I'm funny or, oh, I know I'm a great dad or, oh, I know I'm attractive and I, you know, get laid sometimes. I don't, but it's, I don't know. I'm trying to find ways to talk. Basically, my comedy is all about my life. I'm not one of these comedians that talk a lot about, I don't, I'm not a smart person. I don't know socioeconomical things. I know what I believe. I know that things suck right now, but like, I don't know how to like, I'm not an expert on any of that stuff. So I don't really, it's honestly stuff that I'd rather not even think about because uh-huh. it's depressing. And Well, if people are going to pay their 5 or $10 to see the show, they probably don't want to think about how little's in their bank account. Exactly. And like that's something I do think about too in terms of writing or coming up with like my uh, sets for like open mics or whatever. It's like these people... Most of them made a point to come out tonight and I've got to do the best show possible so they don't regret this use of their hard-earned money. Completely. I mean, every single show that I go into not feeling like, like I'm like, ah, whatever. You know what I mean? Like if I go into a show with that mentality, I'm going to fucking suck. You know what I mean? You really have to like the shows like that. I, I've I, there's been multiple times this year where I've been like that was one of the best sets of my life and that's because I went into the show being like I'm gonna fucking bring it you know what I mean well there was a episode of WTF with Mark Marin that came out I want to say like a year or two ago with Hassan Minaj mm-hmm. and Marin was talking about how like yeah all these younger comics they hype themselves up by saying I'm gonna fucking kill it I'm gonna kill it and it's just a matter of hyping yourself up so that you get into this like positive high, uh, like 
mindset so that you can go up there and bring it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and it 100% works when I'm not stressed or a little more blase about a show. I, uh, it's never going to be as good as like when I'm spending the first half of the day before a show, just being pacing around being like, how long am I doing? What's my order? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, one of those things where like whenever I do it, I worry that people are going to see me doing it and thinking I'm just being an arrogant prick when really I'm just lying to myself to try to make myself believe it. That way I can make it true. No, for sure. I mean, it's a weird thing because like a lot of times if I'm doing a show, uh, people will be like, Oh, why didn't you talk to me before the show? Like, and, uh, it's because I was nervously pacing in the corner to get my, you know. But yeah, you're visiting at me at work right now. Yeah. I'm trying to do my best at this job. Yeah, for sure. And, like, you kind of have to treat it like that uh, just so you'll be able to perform well. That It's true. But that being said, it is by far the coolest job I've done. Um, and then as soon as you're off stage, you know you're going to have just the best time possible exactly that's kind of one of Get my favorite real parts. stupid mode yeah exactly for a while man, it's perfect it's like this i have the high of crushing on stage i get off stage i get to watch a couple other incredible people that i've booked crush it and then we all not only do i get to hang out with like inherently funny people because they're all comedians but i get then like we all get that onslaught of everybody meeting us next to the bar and being like oh we can we buy you a shot you guys were so fun and it's just like a really fun it's i mean it's incredible it make it's like such an ego boost you know what i mean it, um the nights where I have to like leave early or not go at all because of work. Like the real FOMO comes from missing the, uh, the everything that, yeah, the hang and just everything that comes after. That's, that's what I love about comedy is the hang. I mean, and also that's one of the things like how I talk about wanting to get like the comedians, every comedian who I bring to West Virginia that hasn't performed here or hasn't performed here recently, uh, every single time they're like, holy shit, you people, one, are really warm and welcoming and loving and also love to fucking party. Oh, yeah. Party with the <laughs> fucking best of them. Yeah, dude. We're a wild bunch. It, we're the state that, you know, how many random ass field or farm parties do we have in the middle of nowhere just because there's nowhere else to party? Exactly. Like, no one's going to give us a good time, so we make our own good exactly. time. Exactly. And that's just what I'm trying to get out to. Like, I'm... My, I'm hoping to within, I'm really big into whitewater rafting and kayaking and all of that. I have kayaks, but I'm hoping to within the next year or so, I'm, I'm trying to get certified to be a whitewater guide. And then I, rather than working for the local companies, I want to buy my own raft and not, not to make money off of, but like, that's that's what got me to fall in love with the state. When I moved here from California and I felt like an outsider, I didn't have like a lot of friends. Uh, the things that got the people that took me in were the people who 
uh, were really involved in like the punk and hardcore scenes and the people who were really involved in the whitewater communities. And that's kind of like, even though it wasn't even my attention and there's been times I've branched away from those communities, the music scene. And, you know, I never really left whitewater rafting. That's been something that I've consistently done every summer, every year since I've been here. But it's just like a, it's, those are the things that like, we, that got me to fall in love with West Virginia coming here because it was a hard transition at first. And those were the communities that like kind of took me in. And so now that I'm kind of involved in both of those communities and like, I want people to see how cool this shit is, you know? Oh, and it's the, I've never been whitewater rafting. I need to go. What if you did a show that, while you were whitewater rafting guiding, you were actively doing your set. <laughs> and then the people on the little boat on the raft with you were your paying audience. So not only did they pay to, to see you do comedy, they paid to go down the uh, the rapid. That would be hilarious. Um, Actually, I thought I'm, I've made a joke that like if I do get a raft, I'm going to start my own version of like comedians and cars getting coffee but instead it's just gonna be me taking a comedian down the new river gorge and interviewing them while like putting them through like class three four five rapids <laughs> like just doing it through a uh, uh gopros yeah, everywhere yeah exactly get those waterproof cases mm-hmm. uh so when you did this comedy festival this past march in morgantown you know it's a multiple day affair and not only was it like traditional stand-up too it had events where comedians were eating hot wings while doing their set and like other like of these like gimmick type shows did you find that in organizing the festival like you kind of had to do these different things just so you could get you know, not burn out people and stand up like in such like a, a small time frame. Um, honestly, no, I kind of just wanted to do different things. Like the first night we had the Midnight Gardeners who did that uh, like improv style comedy show. And I wanted that because they're, they're like sketch, you know, they and then Sunday morning they did that sketch comedy uh, showcase where they just like projected a bunch of their sketches and did like a little show and tell kind of, you know, this is who we are. And they did like some jokes in between, you know, but anyway, what I was saying is like, I want uh, eventually like a long-term goal for the fest. Cause every year I'm hoping to get a little bit bigger and like do things a little differently. Uh, I'm definitely bringing back the hot wing set. That was a big success. Uh, that was a lot of fun, but I also want these, uh, I want to like showcase all of the fun things. Like I try to, I want to bring in more local vendors. I want to, um, I want to maybe do, you know what I mean? I'm going to, I want to expand and change and do bigger and better, but I do. I mean, it is important to have variety. If it was just like three nonstop days of stand up by the last show, people would be over it, you know? But that being said, uh, I just kind of like want it to be a celebration of West Virginia. I want to bring good food there. I want to bring uh, good entertainment. You know what I mean? Like I want, um, I just want to have fun and do cool shit. Yeah, that's it. 
Yeah, basically, that's, really... that's, like, that's like basically my life goal. I just want to have fun and do cool shit, you know? So thinking of where the stand-up scene within the state is um, on a whole right now, what do you think we need or we need to do differently to help it grow even bigger than it has become? So, I mean, like, as far as the future of stand-up in the state goes, I don't know. I mean, I'm not on it. This is only my second year. I'm one year. I think June of this year made one year of me booking shows. So, I'm not an expert. I'm literally figuring this out as I go. You know, some shows I book will only get 15 people because I didn't, I booked it before they announced the football schedule. And then it ended up being the same time as a home game in Morgantown. You know what I mean? So like nobody came out, you know, so I'm still figuring things out. I'm not an expert. I think like the biggest thing that we need to understand is just like we're working together. We're on the same team. I don't really have these. I'm not like calling anybody out or anything, but like, when there's little beefs or tiffs or whatever, you know, or people are like trying to undermine people. Like, like one cool thing is uh, I love about Morgantown is, you know, I, there's me booking two venues. Uh, EJ books his own separate thing that doesn't really cater to any of our audiences. He'll like occasionally run a mic or book a show at like a steakhouse or something really weird. You know what I mean? But it's not the kind of thing that... I will book, and then Justin Powers runs his house shows. Also a completely different vibe, but we're all on the same team. We're all trying to support each other, and I think that's just, like, the biggest thing. And also, like, a big thing that I think is important in the arts that, I like, goes for bands and everything, but support your other local artists. If you want people to help you promote and help you, then promote their shit. You know what I mean? Go to their shows. Go to their four course dinners or support that bakery or go to that art showing art gallery you know what i mean like really west virginia is like seeping with insanely talented people and i think like across the board if we all show up for each other we're all gonna be fine that is one of the main reasons why i'm trying to get out to the loud as much as possible there are People I've seen in the audience at Huntington um, stand-up shows that I don't think would have been there otherwise had they not seen me present at, like, music shows or vending events. Mm -hmm. And, like, yeah, maybe we are just passing the same $10 around to each other, but also it feels good to promote one another, and that's how you build community. And that's how any of this grows. Exactly. I just... And the thing is, like... All of the creative people that I spend my time with and I try to support and stuff like that, they're also like, they. It, we become friends. We, you know what I mean? I have like a handful of people that on this trip, I came to Huntington uh, because I was dropping my son off in Logan County and it was an hour away and you would talk to me about doing this podcast. But I was like, eh, I'm a, so I hit up a bunch of random people and I'm, you know, spending 10 minutes here, an hour there, you know what I mean? Just popping in, seeing faces, saying howdy and you know, just trying. I, I I love the people of this state, uh, especially the people involved in the arts. And so, like, I don't know. I like to, you know, just say hi and spend time with my people, you know? So speaking of supporting the arts, this will come out in time for Fuzz Fest. Yeah. Uh, which 
I will be at. Nate Suska will be at. Alex Runyon from Huntington will be there. Hell yeah. Um, I'm probably going to reach out to. I, I still have like a, hand, a, a couple more slots to fill. I've got most of it booked, but like I've got the three showcase headliners who Nate and Alex are each going to be one. Um, and then Dan Alton from Louisville is going to be one. And then we got, and then I, we have five, I'm going to probably be in charge of the comedy stage, which bumps me out. Cause I'm going to have to miss most of the bands I want to see. There's going to be like over 55 bands. I think uh, like five different venues in this one day, one day, Damn. because there's five different venues. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, there's going to be, we got, who are the big music acts this year? My sister's band, Natural Rat, will be headlining. One this. of the best. Yeah, they'll be headlining. This, the, the, so there's a beer bar, or not a beer bar, a weed bar that just opened up in Morgantown. And right now they're doing like Delta 8, Delta 9, that weed, that shitty fucking off shit. Uh, that, but like they're ready. The RC call of weed. Yeah, exactly. But they're ready to make the transition to actual weed the second it's legal in the state. But uh, Kelsey's headlining that stage. Uh, one, two, three, I think is going to be mostly like stoner metal, really sludgy rock. Um, Where's Tony from Bowling playing? I don't know, but they're definitely on the bill. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot of the local favorites. Yeah, and then but all in one day. Yes, and it's gonna be a wild ride. Uh, what venue is my show going to be at? I think you're going to be at the the comedy stage is going to be in the speakeasy of the Brewing Company. The next couple months are going to be slam packed for me, just like for the same kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Nothing new, but I'm just saying like we got a bunch of returning comedians, which is new for us. We don't usually get, you know, these nationally touring people that are want to come back. Exactly. Um, So that's exciting. Uh, Yeah, it's just a really and then it's there's all of these incredible music events you know we got fuzz fest h math literally just a week apart um or days apart uh and then like a bunch of lo- really cool just shows at the at each of our res- towns respective venues uh Morgantown has booked some really awesome shows in the coming months, music-wise. I've been seeing a lot more pop-up for Huntington. Um, and then, like, at, right after HMAF, I'm going to be go- going and doing a run of shows in New York. And then uh, right after New York, I'm doing... Uh, I, I, heck yeah fest is at the end of october oh, yeah. uh there's just a lot of and i got booked to host and do comedy at that again there's just a lot of really cool stuff uh i just god damn it i love west virginia dude especially like the warm months during the cold months i hate life i want to die i feel like a raisin uh there's no nothing like, i just am not myself but like during from like april to like through like October, November. Yeah, I am it's it, real primal mode. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to add? Um support your local arts. There's so many talented people of all mediums. I'm not even just saying comedy. Don't get me wrong, comedy's great. I I'm I love to be doing it. I, there's nothing else I'd rather be pursuing. Uh-huh. But there's so much out there. Yeah, and there's so much of it's cool shit. Yeah, so many cool also enjoy the nature. Uh West Virginia or the uh, EPA versus West Virginia just got overturned. So enjoy it while you can. We might not have, uh, you know, some. We might not have all of the na- wonderful nature we have.
You can keep up with Cody Cannon at his Instagram. I'll have that linked in the episode description. And if you're in Morgantown, check out FuzzFest on Saturday, August 27th. If you can't make it out to that, I'll also be performing at the Huntington Music and Arts Festival Comedy Variety Show. That's on Wednesday, August 31st at 6.30 at Black Sheep. I'm co-hosting with Nate Sesco, and the lineup features other incredible performers like Angie Davis, Erica Wickham, and TV Dinner, Dyla Ride, and Alexandra Jim will also be doing drag. Thank you for listening to Commonplace. If you liked today's episode, I ask that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review, share with a friend. These are free ways that help the show in a big way. Commonplace is hosted and produced by me, Nathan Thomas. Our theme song is Rescio by Goodwolf from the album Car in the Woods. Join us again next week for another episode of Commonplace. <laughs>